0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta, and we do our weekly look at this Sunday's Gospel. It's where Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to ten virgins who went to meet the bridegroom. Some of them foolishly forgot to bring oil for their lamps, prompting the warning that we must stay awake, for we know not the hour when the Lord will return. My guest will be our friend Peggy Stanton, author of From the White House to the White Cross. Peggy is a dame of the Order of Malta. ABC News' first female Washington correspondent, and has hosted many programs on Ave Maria Radio, including the Malta Minute with the Catechism. Uh, her first book was The Daniel Dilemma, The Moral Man in the Public Arena, and her newest book is The Order of Malta, Minutes with the Catechism. Peggy, good to have you again. Thank you, Al. Good. Very good to be here. This we're reading from Matthew chapter 25, uh, a, very, a very intense chapter. Uh, by the way, and um, I will read uh, verses 1 through 13 of Matthew 25 just to lay out the gospel for us. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Wow. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. <laughs> right. That is a punchy ending there. Yeah, yeah. Rather <laughs> ominous. Yes, I, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I'm, as, as we go over this gospel, I'm, I'm thinking uh, which side of the ledger I'm on. <laughs> 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 and I think that uh, everybody should consider that thought.
0: I uh, think that's the intention. <laughs> I think that 's the intention of this reading yes it
1: it scares me a little <laughs>
0: that, that I sound sometimes more like
1: the foolish virgin yep. version vir, the virgins i 'll get that word out next week sometime <laughs> um, well, well tell me what you 've been what you 've been finding on this passage through the well week. usually we start with the interpretation from the catechism. But it's pretty heavy the um the interpretation from the catechism, and it's more doctrinal. So I thought uh, we needed to go into the uh, historical context, okay. like we did last week. Okay. So I'm going to start with our friend uh, theologian um, Professor John Berksman,, yep. uh, from his book, uh, Word of the Lord because he's awfully good at setting up the uh, the, the uh, context mm-hmm. and uh, what what uh, life was like in the first century. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he says, the bridegroom is obviously Jesus, right. who is identified as such by John the Baptist. He says, this image has its roots in the depiction of the Lord as the husband of Israel in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So why the virgins? Now, this is a big question It's always been in my mind. Historically, this would have been young women, companions of the bride, essentially bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. But in this parable, it is almost like they are all brides of the bridegroom because they represent the church. Christian believers, all of whom are individually the spiritual brides of Jesus and corporately the one bride of Christ. The five wise and five foolish maidens do not represent, I think this is quite interesting, uh, Christians versus those who reject Christ, but rather Christians who persevere and those who do not. Okay. All ten are virgins, which refers to the Christian life in which we abstain from all that is impure and unlawful, not just impure sexuality, but all sensual indulgence that is contrary to God's law and to the rule of law.
0: Yeah, this is is important because we're talking about these are all the virgins, the foolish and the wise, can be considered members of the body of Christ. They're all among the baptized. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I'm not sure that we would pick that up uh, in just a casual read of the gospel, right?
0: Right, no, I agree.
1: Virginity here is a symbol of the general temperance and self-control that characterizes the Christian life. It is never, I don't know if I agree with him on this, (laughs) (laughs) it's never right to indulge in pleasure for pleasure's sake alone. Which I've raised the question, Is it mean I can't have a cappuccino just for the,
0: for the joy pleasure of, of having the yeah, I... cappuccino? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> he says that doesn't mean the Christian life is without pleasure, but simply the pleasure should be accepted gratefully from God. Well, well <laughs> if,
0: I, this is the way. this is the way to handle that, okay? Yeah. You thank God for the cappuccino, and you, you and you remember that at his right hand are pleasures forevermore, so the cappuccino will remind you of heaven then
1: so. where the Lord will make me a cappuccino <laughs> right <laughs> all right i i will take that uh, uh let's see uh, he, we we do say it gratefully from God as we pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. Or, to put it another way, love of God and love of neighbor. As we pursue the dual love, there will be times of joy and pleasure, even physical pleasure, but we don't seek after it as an end in itself, which would be selfishness and the denial of love. Hmm. I'll think about that next Mm -hmm. time I want a cappuccino. (laughs) uh <laughs> notice that all ten are virgins that is they are christians who've adopted the lifestyle of love rather than sensuality and all ten have lamps which the church fathers usually associate with good works
0: hmm. i hadn't realized that no
1: i didn't either i i that's, i find the, uh, this um you know explanation very uh enlightening So the distinction between the wise and foolish virgins is not between believer and unbeliever, but between the persevering disciple and the non-persevering, similar to the distinction between the good seed and seed that fell on rocky soil. Mm -hmm. The church fathers expended a lot of time trying to figure out what the symbolism of the oil was. Berksmith thinks it was not a one-for-one one correspondence. He thinks the point is that the wise version, virgins, I'm having trouble with that word, <laughs> <laughs> were uh, virgins, are therefore like the man who didn't count the cost before beginning to build a tower. That is a disciple who is not prepared for the endurance that it will take to remain faithful until death Or the Lord's return. I think that's a very good message for Mm -hmm. our time. Yeah. Yeah. The basic message is that the wise disciple of the Lord not only practices temperance and good works, which are non-negotiable for any true disciple, but is also prepared to keep up this lifestyle or vigilance for as long as it takes to meet the Lord face to face. The foolish virgins do not plan for the long haul. They do not expect to have to wait and endure. So then he asks, what is the symbolism of the oil? Some church fathers, he says, identify it with charity, since without charity, chastity, temperance, and good works are nothing. Others identify it with joy, based on the motif of the oil of gladness which is in the Old Testament. It can also fit with the Holy Spirit because throughout the scripture, oil is associated with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the ritual of anointing with oil symbolizes being endowed with the Spirit of God. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit within is the source of our charity and of our joy. And of course, joy is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So in this sense, uh, Bergsma says, the foolish virgins are those who do not take along enough of the spirit to endure until the coming of the bridegroom. This could re- represent trying to live the Christian life in our own power and our own flesh, but that cannot last. Only those virgins endure who have learned to rely on the oil of the Holy Spirit to keep their lamps of good works alight, working with the strength of God and not in their own strength. Then uh, Bergsna goes on to say, the way to fill up with reserves of the oil of the Spirit is through prayer, faith, and the sacraments. All three not missing a one, because prayer and sacrament without faith are not effective, nor faith and sacraments without prayer Mm -hmm. are effective. Mm -hmm. These three are a cord of three strands, not easily broken, that continues to refill us with the oil of the Spirit. I like this. The cold and joyous Christian cannot maintain his spiritual life until he sees the Lord Love and joy give us strength and energy, which is perhaps why Pope Francis emphasizes the joy of the go- gospel so frequently. Mm-hmm. So, um, have you th- any thoughts before I give you uh, yeah, I, the catechism?
0: No, I I mean, I, I think what you said there and I think what Bergman was saying makes a great deal of sense. Again, part part of this is we don't, when we think of virgins, we're not—we have a fairly literal definition of that, and so we're not mm-hmm. accustomed to thinking metaphorically about the virgins. Right. And so you've got the same problem here with the lamp and the oil, and mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think that uh, there's there's no doubt this has to. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Right. Mm-hmm. This is again uh, one of the Lord's sayings, and I think that's ap- ap- applicable to this situation. The wise virgins uh, have what it takes to endure to the end. They've mm-hmm. received the Spirit in such measure uh, that they're not burning off their own fuel. They're being mm-hmm. powered by the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. So,
1: I, And you can apply... Uh, the reason I said that uh, I think it's an important message for our time, because we're surrounded by a culture that is uh, preaching an opposite message, and people... Well, for instance, politicians who are trying to succeed in their trade uh, are very tempted not to pursue persevere to the end because um, the message of the gospel is opposite the message of uh, today's society, mm-hmm. particularly on abortion. Right. Um, and so, say someone who's a, a, a good. Or likes to think they're a good christian uh is very tempted to fudge and not persevere and not speak
0: out strongly uh as they should right i I do think I think this has always been a problem for christians uh they they can <clears throat> they can go off and separate themselves from the world or they can accommodate themselves to the world they're mm-hmm. always with that tension right and of course the the Christian who's walking. In faith and by means of the Spirit is neither a separatist nor an accommodationist, mm-hmm. but they're a transformationist.
1: Uh, yeah, they're, they're engaging like that.
0: the world yeah. in order to, in some way, bear witness to the kingdom, mm-hmm. which is transformative.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, do we have time for. Uh, no, we don't actually. For I, just, the I just looked okay. up at the
0: clock there. We're going to hear the music come up in just a minute. Um, <laughs> but this is, a, again, a rich passage. Uh, colorful and uh, a ch- it's meant to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day, day nor, nor the, the hour. End. That is meant to make us shake a little bit in our boots.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So. And I am. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Al. We'll talk soon. Mm-hmm. Peggy Stanton, again, looking at Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. I'm Al Cresta.